Welcome to Professors Talk Pedagogy, a podcast from the Academy for Teaching and Learning at Baylor University. I'm your host, Christopher Richmond. Professors Talk Pedagogy presents discussions with great professors about pedagogy, curriculum, and learning in order to propel the virtuous cycle of teaching. As we frankly and critically investigate our teaching, we open new lines of inquiry, we engage in conversation with colleagues, and we attune to students' experiences, all of which not only improves our teaching, but enriches and motivates ongoing investigation. And so the cycle continues. Today, our guest is Dr. Darren Davis, director of Baylor's Institute for Faith and Learning and clinical professor of moral philosophy in the honors program. Dr. Davis teaches courses on ethics and has been instrumental in scholars programs that help students connect faith in learning, including the William Carey Crane Scholars for undergraduates and the A.J. Conyers Scholars for graduate students. He is a regional editor for the International Journal of Christianity and Education and conducts research on the vocation of learning, educating for wisdom, and the philosophy of friendship. We are delighted to welcome Dr. Davis for a conversation about student character development, what it means to teach Christianly, and much more. Darren Davis, welcome to the show, and thank you for joining us today. Christopher, thanks. I'm glad to be here. I want to talk to you about the issue of student character development. I know that this is one of your major concerns in your teaching and in your writing and your in your work with faculty. What What is student character development? What does this mean for you? And why do you think this is important for universities to be thinking about? Well, thanks for the question, Christopher. Um, you know, when we think about the the history of universities from their inception in the high middle ages universities have always cared about the moral and intellectual formation of their students um, education if you look at the word means to be led to let out and we're, we're to be led out of of ignorance towards the truth uh, as as well as we can apprehend it and that passage uh, not unlike the kind of description that Plato gives in the allegory of the cave is uh, is not easy. It's painful. Uh, it takes a long time. Um, and because of all that, we're going to need some qualities of character that help us along for the journey. And those are really the virtues. And uh, we're talking about here virtues of, of both action and thought, uh, moral virtues and intellectual virtues. And, and, you know, I, I think that's really the perennial, one of the perennial missions of, of what university education is about. And I think that um, in the last um, many years, um, universities have changed. And part of it is that universities are asked to do more than they've ever been asked to do in their history. And they're under considerable uh, pressure uh, from uh, external entities and internal um, entities as well. And, uh, you know, we, we here at Baylor, for instance, we, we want to raise our aspirations and have for the last two decades, raise our research aspirations 
Uh, we want to do exactly what you and your colleagues in ATL are so committed to, which is to not merely continue, but um, raise our aspirations with respect to classroom teaching at the undergraduate level, at the graduate level, professional level as well. Uh, but we've got sports programs as well. We've got to be excellent in that. Um, you know, everything from the moot court to the basketball court, as, as I've, I've sometimes said. And so it's not that the, the question of character formation is not uh, understood or, or uh, embraced as important, but in the modern university, when, it's, when we're trying to do so many other things, um, I'm afraid that it can, it can get lost or it can be this sort of thing that uh, begins to feel a little bit like an add-on condition of really what our mission is about. And so uh, I'm of the mind that when we look at our culture and um, the times in which we live, we realize that we really do uh, want to educate our students for um, the virtues, for character. And uh, we can do a lot of great things for them here at Baylor, and we can prepare them, among many things, for meaningful work. But we're also preparing them for life. And that passage uh, from here to wherever they're being called will require them to have some uh, qualities of character, some excellences of character. And we hope that in our work here at Baylor, um, with our students and with our colleagues, you know, we're we're growing in our understanding and our practice of, of what that is. That word call is really important too, I know for the work that the Institute for Faith and Learning does. This issue of vocation and of course at a Christian university, we think about this as being, as giving kind of the divine anchor or uh, the theological rationale for what we do in, in, in every day, whether it's our, our learning or our occupations or our families. So can you talk a little bit about the challenges that we're at um, from a Christian university perspective versus how culture thinks about these things? Yeah, sure. I mean, I, I think um, a, a, a really helpful way of thinking about it is um, if, if you're called to do something, you're uh, first um, recognizing the, uh, the, the presence and the reality of a caller. Mm -hmm. So for Christians, um, you know, that's, that's God and, uh, um, uh, and the Trinity <laughs> all, all together, all in one. Um, but there, there, is, there is something beyond the self that is calling us, literally, uh, calling us out, calling us out to do uh, important work, calling us out to do things that we otherwise would not do, <laughs> calling us into uh, risk sometimes and, and danger. And we live in a world where um, I think the challenge of that, Christopher, is that uh, we so often think that um, you know, living and doing well is really about individual choice and seeing a cafeteria of options. And I decide to choose one. And uh, if I go to it and determine, well, that's not exactly what I wanted at, uh, at this particular moment. And don't like that nearly as much as I thought. I'm, I'm going to choose something else. And so there's a kind of a frenetic uh, character to our to the to the life of choice 
when it's just grounded in my individual wants and desires, those are all important. But those ultimately have to yield to something beyond the self. Mm. And I think Christian, a Christian control or vocation is an enormously important way to think about uh, more than just your job or your particular work or even your career, but really your entire life. And I surely have thought, uh, particularly in times where um, we encounter difficulty, like we, like we are now, that um, without a pretty rich understanding of being called into difficult work and uh, persevering nonetheless, and also asking for uh, for God's strength and God's grace, probably be pretty hard to continue to do what we're doing day in and day out. And um, so, so vocation is is more than just um, the stuff of, uh, of 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 glossy mission statements. It's really at the heart of uh, of the Christian life. And I think it's I think institutions like Baylor. And think about institutional callings as well. I mean, I think I do, do believe that Baylor itself and other church-related higher education, and I think other colleges and universities have a certain calling placed upon them. And to realize that really is uh, really is important. And so countercultural there too. I think totally nobody nobody nobody's having as much fun teaching and working in the pandemic as they were before. Uh, I, well, I'd like to meet that person if, if such a person exists. And so something, something else has to, be, has to be at the foundation of what, what drives us, what motivates us, what brings us to our work and not just brings us to the work, but brings us to do it as, as well as we, as we possibly can. And that, that, that issue of, of taking risk and, and going into danger, that's countercultural. And I also think the, the, the issue of bringing students into a perspective of vocation as students is really countercultural as well, because as you mentioned, you know, recent shifts in higher education. And I think part of one of the major recent shifts is this gearing towards the, the future. It's just about uh, career preparation and, and, the, and those kinds of things. And students really, in my experience, really have a hard time seeing these four, five, six years as this is your call. This is what you're called to do right now. That's a that's a great point. And so the introduction of the of vocation uh, for the for the here and now for them can be um, absolutely a revelation. And and that's that's formation of character right there mm-hmm. because. Um, uh, you know, vocation and virtue here go very much, very much hand in hand. But just to be aware, uh, to 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 help introduce students to the idea that you know what you're doing here is not just biding time, yeah, and it's not just putting yourself in a position to earn a, a six figure salary when you when you get out. What you're doing here is uh, something important that serves you uh, incredibly powerfully in the rest of your life and the rest of your life is now right now right so this brings to mind questions that we've recently been part of uh, dealing with academic integrity um, and increased concern about academic integrity in the pandemic era with just so much teaching remotely and through technology and that kind of thing 
um, and call me naive, but I think this is part, this has to be part of our, our, our response to those concerns too, is bringing students into that picture of what you're doing right now is your vocation. It's not just, you're not just preparing for a future vocation. Because if, if the message they're getting is, I'm just preparing for a future vocation, well, then why not get the best grade by any means possible if that's really what, what I'm focused on? That's right. So what questions do you hear from faculty about uh, teaching, teaching so that students can bring these questions of faith and learning into more uh, holistic understanding? Well, uh, you know, our, our faculty at Baylor are are so talented and, um, and so eager to, um, to put these, these two sort of seemingly disparate things together as they, as they are generally presented, which is, you know, the, the work of, of the scholar and the work of the classroom is one thing. And if it happens to be done by people of faith, well, that's, that's terrific. But what material difference does that make? And as we know, um, you know, one, we, we both went to graduate school, you more recently than I do, but I'm not completely blurry about my imagination. And I went to a PhD program in, uh, in the humanities and philosophy at St. Louis University, Catholic University. Um, but even there, uh, and even in a philosophy program in a Catholic uh, university, you know, there's lots of ways in which the the specialization of the discipline and the professionalization of the discipline can can um, can really uh, uh, very much exclude the idea that actually faith and reason are are not merely uh, compatible, but actually you know come together in this in this unity. Uh, as as we sort of seek uh, understanding and, and truth, and so uh, if that's my experience coming at this as a philosopher who was uh, trained at a Catholic university, you know, imagine what it can be in other disciplines, particularly in settings that uh, are not in uh, in faith based education. And so, lots of our our colleagues come to Baylor with this deep desire to contribute to Baylor's Christian identity and we talk about faith and learning but the one of the most obvious questions is tell me tell me what this is about Mm -hmm. tell me what what you mean by that tell me what the work of the Institute for Faith and Learning is tell me what this would mean in a class tell me how this might have anything to do with the research that I conduct and so you know the, the sort of base basic questions the fundamental questions are they're the best ones that, that we get. And they're also, uh, they're challenging. I mean, if everyone knew how to do this, Christopher, uh, we, we'd, uh, we'd have done it by now. Um, so these, you know, everyone has a particular take um, on how their own faith commitment might be expressed best as a teacher and a scholar. One of the things that Baylor does, it is offers people the opportunity to not only explore that, but to put it into practice. And so that's a great thing that we have a place like Baylor. And I'm also grateful that we have a place like uh, the Institute for Faith and Learning and other centers and institutes uh, on campus that um, have this on uh, their radar and help enable faculty 
to begin to think and then put into practice what faith and learning mean. You and I both know the work of uh, David Smith, who writes about about this so so eloquently and also so practically about bringing bringing as as he calls it teaching christianly uh yeah. which is just such a beautiful uh beautiful way to describe this and i think that it brings us on the on the level of helping individual faculty and the individual faculty member might come to us and say well, statistics is statistics, or uh, engineering says a bridge is a bridge, you know, and I can tell you 12 different ways to make a bridge. Not one of those ways is a Christian bridge, you know, or something like that. And, the, you know, f- th- those who are writing and thinking about this, like Smith, really help us to, to remember that the content is not the only thing that students learn. They also learn the how of it. They also learn the process of it uh, as well. So d- does any, do any, experiences of working with faculty come to mind for you about how you've worked through some of those questions with faculty? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of the, one of the, the phrases that um, I've, I've borrowed from David Smith and, you know, David's been a great friend of, of ours in IFL and has been a part of our, our faculty retreat, our community of faculty retreat for a number of years is the idea of teaching for our Christian imagination, which is, which is, to say in a, in a slightly different way what, what you were suggesting, which is the, the question of content while important is not the only thing there is. So a faculty might think, uh, well, you know, what, what have Christians said about the, you know, various questions of content in a course? And there've been, there've been um, lots of easy, quick examples of, well, this is a Christian speaking into this discipline or this discipline. And, you know, that, there's a Christian speaking into uh, most, I haven't seen a discipline yet in which there's not an example of a Christian speaking in sort of explicitly Christian ways about, um, about how, that, how that goes. Uh, even in engineering and even in statistics, there are people who have sort of asked the more meta questions, we might say, about you know, what's, what's at stake here for the way in which Christians imagine the discipline. Mm. So that's very important. Um, I also think that this question of forming students in ways that uh, engage their imagination from um, a faithful perspective about the questions in the course is is so it's so important. So here's a here's a here's a good example. Um, Ian Gravanier is a friend and a colleague who's who teaches in electrical engineering at Baylor. And now electrical engineering, he does he does stuff that I don't even uh, I can't even explain, uh, wouldn't even try. And that's why I'm a philosopher and he's an electrical engineer. But one of the things he does is he 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 uh, he teaches courses or did for a number of years in uh, in solar energy. And I mean, there's, there's one where you'd say, you know, there's, what's the Christian construal of social or uh, uh, solar energy, okay? Solar energy, you know, the, the theorems, the understanding, all the rest, the application is, 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 it is what it is. You learn it at Baylor no differently than you learn it at UT or A&M or uh, Harvard or anywhere else. But he began to think about, well, okay, that's the course that I'm teaching. And that's my area of research. But what would it be to teach for a Christian imagination? 
with respect to solar energy. And it just occurred to him, my goodness, think about the idea of stewardship. Uh, you know, think about the way in which, you know, the, uh, the, the account of creation that we give uh, and the recognition that uh, the world, the world in which we live is gift uh, created, uh, created uh, by God. Uh, we have an incredible uh, stewardship over the resources that the that the earth that the earth provides and that the heavens provide. And um, how do we begin to understand uh, more than just the the theory of, of solar energy? But uh, how would Christians have a uh, a Christian imagination about the uses of solar energy with respect to that virtue of stewardship? And so he, he retooled his class in, in an incredible way. And I've always held that out as a, as a really important example of taking seriously uh, the idea that the Christian imagination can help us uh, think from any number of disciplines, um, not only in terms of content, and sometimes the content is, is going uh, to be just as it is, as it always has been, no Christian control of accounting per se, or, or solar energy, but, but the why and the how and the sort of the larger context in which that body of inquiry is and its connectedness up to other disciplines. You know, the one thing that, that he found is he needed to go read a lot about what stewardship was about. You know, what were the theological understandings of what stewardship implies? So that's one of the things about talking about faith and learning. It's it's likely not going to keep you within your discipline. Hmm. And isn't that isn't that really uh, uh, something that's very uh, much on the minds of a lot of higher education thinkers right now is interdisciplinarity. Absolutely, and I've and I've always thought that that Christian universities would are are the best places to pursue those kinds of things. You know, not because it's it's um, the avenue by which we would we would get grant money or our research uh, pizzazz, but because it's really a part of the ontology about what a, a university, particularly a Christian university or a Christian control of university is, which is that you have various disciplines uh, connected in a way in which they're ultimately uh, trying to seek the same thing, but do it in, in different ways with different methods from different avenues. And, um, that's one of the really exciting things I know that you find in your work with faculty, but over the years, um, I just, that's been a, an incredible thrill to see people um, who come to us uh, with this, this real deep sense and need to contribute to the mission of this place and do so in a, in a, in a fulsome way. And how they find out, well, look, this is bigger than I am. I'm going to have to ask some help for that. And then they begin to find conversation partners and colleagues. And ultimately, I think in many cases, friends across the university to pursue this work together. That's a great thing. I really like that example of stewardship because I think that for, for many folks, and I, and I was the, the same way, and I think in some ways I'm still kind of working through it, is that when you when you ask faculty to think about how faith and learning work together. It just seems like such a huge thing that they've never been prepared to do. But when you, when you start with a virtue, and I know in, in some of your workshops, I, I'm the beneficiary of this, some of your workshops, your character across the curriculum workshops, 
we just look at a list of virtues and we go, what, so what, what jumps out to you? Like, what would you like your students to just be a little bit better at, you know? And so stewardship is one of those. And the, the one that I landed on uh, was empathy. And I've done writing on this, how I've, uh, how I've, um, uh, help students through study the historical study of the Christian heresies to develop a more empathetic reading of those who believe differently than 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 we do. So you, you just start with something you know. It's concrete is not quite the right word, but just specific and kind of manageable, right? Oh, that's the best advice I could give to anyone who wants to think about how you know. The, the faith commitments that they have might inform the practices of teaching, which is, you know, start and do, do something, but, you know, don't, don't, don't try to get it all right on the, uh, on the first run. You'll, you never will. And we'll spend our entire lives trying to do that. But, but uh, to have um, a little bit of modesty or humility about these things and just to say, look, what, what small change could I make? Maybe it's a reading that evokes um, a different conversation about a question in the class. Maybe it's asking a series of questions that you that you wouldn't have asked otherwise. I mean, I have found uh, teaching in the last two semesters during a pandemic that it it opens up really important questions for us to ask about fragility of life. Um, the, the way in which um, conceptions of the common good are more important now than ever. Um, the way in which we understand um, suffering, genuine suffering, the way in which we understand um, injustice and uh, anger, uh, righteous anger and unrest and uh, the need for uh, ultimately, uh, well, first contrition and, and uh, reconciliation, forgiveness and all the rest. I mean, there are all sorts of really important questions that we could ask those questions in, a, in any number of settings. If I were a student at the University of Texas, if I had a really good teacher, uh, I'd be asking those questions too. Christians, Christians ought to be asking those questions and they and and it's not merely they ought to be asking those questions from a christian imagination you know as we can we ought to be trying to lead our students uh to to better better answers as to not only why those things are happening but what we do in the midst of them such that they call us call us forth not just out of the deliverances of our intellect but actually putting our our uh uh, one foot in front of the other to try to to, to try to do differently, uh, to try to be um, to try to be the presence of uh, of Christ in the world. That's that's what it boils down to. So there just are opportunities left and right anytime, but I think especially now uh, for for all of us to think with a Christian imagination uh, about educating students. As a historian myself, sometimes I've just been so, so shocked to go back and look at uh, church periodicals or read sermon manuscripts that are, that are, that are uh, taking place 
1917 and there's like no mention of the of the war you know and 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 you just wonder like there are so many missed opportunities to connect what people are are really experiencing with what their faith should be um should, should be there for and and I worry that that maybe we're going to look back at at our teaching at this time too, and go, man, there were so many missed opportunities to to really connect in very tangible ways the things that we say we want students to take away from these four or five or six years that we have with them. Absolutely, and they they need it. Um, where else are they having an opportunity to, to do this? I mean. We we have uh, we have such an opportunity, Christopher, uh, in a university in a Christian university, to um, to shape the future uh, and to do all we can to uh, to to help our students grow in the virtues, such that no matter um, what 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 trials or uh, what joys they'll face. Um, and they'll, they'll meet them, uh, may, meet them faithfully. And, um, if, if they, if they can't find opportunities to think through and to talk and to listen and to do so with charity with us in these years, uh, their chances to be able to do that later on, I think are, are more difficult. So we've talked a bit about the opportunities that uh, the pandemic might present for our, our pedagogy. What kinds of challenges do you think faculty are having? Those who are who are interested in, in pursuing these faith and learning questions, does does the pandemic present present challenges specifically for that? I think it does. I do think that um, you know teaching and learning um, there is an experiential in um, embodied character to it that um, there, there's certainly good things that can happen at a distance and our technological advances in uh, online education have made have made you know leaps and bounds in terms of just the quality of the transmission and hearing one another's voice seeing each other's face and all the rest but I do think, you know, just being uh, the, the, the lack of opportunity to be um, to, to gather in the ways in which we have always gathered is just makes it a makes it a bit more difficult. Um, I think you know, I've taught teaching two classes a semester face to face. You say face to face. It's not really face to face. It's 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 at best. You know, I, eyes to eyes. A recent conversation that I had, um, the 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 faculty member kept using the phrase "mask to mask." Yeah, I, I thought at first it was a little jarring, but then I thought, you know, that that's much more accurate. Yeah, I, I nearly said something like that, but I I decided uh, to go a different way. But I I do I do think that's that's created. I think for some of us and some of our students, there's, even though some of us have been in class, there's still been a distance. Mm -hmm. And so I don't, I just, I'm, I'm one who believes that the, the context and the feel 
in a classroom is is really important and and there's certainly ways in which we we are adapting and can adapt but it's just not the same mm-hmm. and so i think that's that's a general sort of thing but i think it it goes um it, it goes to just one of the difficulties of of, of teaching i think you know, one of the things that I did think about as an, as an opportunity uh, just in the last, you know, a few days is, uh, you know, the students who hang in here with us this semester, uh, if we can't help enlarge their moral vocabulary about what perseverance is and how they're being schooled in perseverance, um, we, we've missed an opportunity there because, you know, the students who are with us who are who are really doing uh, extraordinary things to just keep putting their feet one after another, making progress, are, are learning. Uh, they're learning what perseverance is probably in stronger ways than, than they've ever been asked to. Yeah. One of the realities of a university like Baylor with a explicit Christian mission is the fact that not all of the student body is Christian. And you've, you've come from Catholic institutions and, and many of the Catholic institutions have a reputation for really navigating that well, but maybe less so with our Protestant institutions. So I wonder how you, how you advise faculty to think about that dynamic. For something that I recently wrote, I, lo- I had to look up our, our student population by by religious affiliation, I think it was like 93% are some kind of orthodox, you know, orthodox, little o orthodox version of Christianity. You know, so that's, I mean, that's close to 10% of the students in our class are not going to identify as Christian. And that matters. It does. Well, my thinking on this, um, my thinking on this is, is pretty, pretty straightforward. I do think that the first thing we owe to every one of the students who takes a, a class at Baylor is the best of what we are. And by that, I mean, um, if, if there is uh, content in a class or approach in a class that, uh, that needs to be or we want to be, um, the expression of the Christian intellectual tradition reflection, we need to offer up the very best of whatever that is. We really do owe that to all of our students because uh, they've come to Baylor. Uh, our mission is as it is, and we, we want it, we want to offer the, 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 the best account that, that we possibly can, and that's going to require us to, to know our stuff. Um, I would also say that, um, again, the virtues here of being, you know, charity-led, um, which goes beyond just sort of civil discourse, I think. That's a very important thing, and I'm all for it, but I think Christian universities ultimately sort of led by love, and that means you sort of, you love one another, you love your students, you, you, care, you care about them. You want them to do well. You also love the discipline and you care about it and you want to offer that up. And if you, if you do that in the right way, um, it seems to me and the people who I've known who have tried it in my own experience, uh, that has a way of, of sort of lifting up what's common um, and, and uh, 
and not 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 highlighting differences in a way in which it will um, um, really gesture towards discord. Okay, so there's a way in which I think you can teach any number of classes in sort of controversial ways that are that are jolting that sort of uh, wakes students up and um, uh, shake them out of their dogmatic slumbers and all the rest. And and I think there's a role for that if uh, if it's always done <laughs> in the end charitably. I'm a I'm a great admirer of the work of uh, of Saint Thomas Aquinas. And you think about the way in which Aquinas um, modeled intellectual inquiry in the Summa Theologica. Well, he laid out the most important questions. Uh, he tried to answer them uh, in a compelling, clear, detailed way. But what else did he do? He looked at the strongest possible objections to every one of the questions that he looked up. So that's part of teaching with charity. You know, being open to articulate the ways in which this isn't uh, this view over here would come into contact with the Christian tradition on this particular question, but not to be not to be blind to that, not to be blind to the implications, but to engage that perspective as well as you can, and actually give that as fulsome and clear as expression as you possibly could. So um, again, I think when you when you do that, ultimately with a love of students, with a love of the subject matter, uh, and with a, a deep desire to, to seek the truth together, recognizing that everybody in the classroom um, ultimately seeks the truth. Uh, and we all want everyone to love wisdom. We all want them to be philosophers, whether or not they uh, end up majoring in philosophy. Um, those kinds of things seem to me to to be very important in engaging all of our students, no matter what their faith perspective are. Well, great. We're just about out of time here. So Darren Davis, I want to thank you for the work that you do at the Institute for Faith and Learning and for the broader academy, just helping us think through these things and really being a thought leader on these important issues. And thank you, of course, for talking with us and sharing your insights in this platform too. Christopher, thanks so much for having me. It's great to be with you today. Thank you. Our thanks again to Dr. Darren Davis for speaking with us today. In today's show notes, you'll find links to Dr. Davis's recently published edited volume, Educating for Wisdom, David Smith's On Christian Teaching, and a short piece I recently wrote on teaching empathy. That's our show. Join us next time for Professors Talk Pedagogy.